as Dan Mark is coming to read our scripture this morning, uh, I want to I want to give you a little bit of a little bit more introduction to our uh, to our sermon series. Again, these are the stories over the next few weeks, over the next couple of months, really. These are the stories that that we learned in our childhood. These are the stories of. Of, of, of children's Bibles. These are the stories that many of us learned as uh, in Sunday school when we were, when we were younger. Uh, many of these stories that we're going to be looking at are the great grand stories of the Old Testament. And for many of us, we have looked at them only, uh, only like children, only through the eyes of a, of a children's Bible. But I, I contend that these stories we're going to be looking at and these characters that we go, we're going to be looking at, uh, they involve some very adult themes. They involve some very, uh, some, a, a lot of uh, deep and core theology to our faith. And so as we look at these stories, um, again, we've already, we've already looked at this one uh, through the eyes of, uh, really through the eyes of children. Well, now, now we're going to be looking again, not only this story, but the coming stories really through the eyes of adults as we look at these stories and hopefully with fresh eyes and with fresh ears. Our scripture this, this morning comes out of the book of Genesis, beginning in verse 11 all the way through verse 22. It's found there in your pew Bibles on page 8 of your pew Bibles if you would like to follow along. Dan is here to read our scripture. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become and for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make for yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how, are you, how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on the earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you, two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your spirit upon this, your word, and make it be for us the word of life that we might be people of life. And now, God, hide me behind your cross that your message of grace and love might shine through for the redemption of the world for the redemption of the world through Christ our Lord we pray amen this is likely the most well-known um, story in all of the Bible of, of all of the Bible think about it Think about it. People who have who have never stepped foot in church, people who do not have a who have a, a who don't have a religious bone in their body, people who are not of even of 
uh, any, anywhere uh, near the Judeo-Christian world, they've all heard the, uh, the, the story of, of, of Noah and the ark. It's depicted in, in, in almost everywhere, almost everywhere that you go. Uh, obviously, in children's uh, Bible, bo- uh, Bibles, uh, typically, the, 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 the picture that's on the very front of a child's Bible is this, is this story that we're studying today. I've been in, I've been in churches that had their entire, uh, entire nursery uh, decked out with, uh, with Noah and, and the ark. I've even, I've even seen uh, pictures of, uh, of, of rooms that uh, not too terribly biblically correct. I don't think, I don't think that Noah, uh, I, don't, I don't think it was a submarine that he was on, but, but we find that depicted in, 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 children's, in children's rooms. I was, I was even in a church that, that it was a massive church in Houston, Texas, and their entire children's wing, and by the way, their entire children's wing was about the size of our, about the size of our church. Uh, uh, our, our church is about 71,000 square feet. Uh, their children's wing was about 71,000 square feet, and it was all decked out with Noah's Ark. <laughs> it, it really was astounding, and, and then there was even the movie that came out a few years ago uh, named Noah. I don't know if you saw that. It wasn't too terribly biblically accurate. And then even uh, outside of Cincinnati, uh, in south of Cincinnati in Kentucky, they have built a life-size ark. And you can go to it today. Uh, you can get the, 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 the grand scope and the size of, of that ark. It seems as though this story of Noah and the ark and God sitting in the clouds, a rainbow, has permeated almost, I mean, it's, it's permeated our culture. We know this story like, like the back of our hand. And again, again, this is a, well, this is a children's story, isn't it? I mean, we, we, we know the basic story. The, the children know this story. We know this story. But again, I, I, I propose that this story deals really with some really adult themes. It deals with some, I think, I think some, some very theological things as well. This story tells us about the nature of, of humanity, and it also tells us about the nature of God himself. Now, this story that we have in uh, in in Genesis is a story that is uh, that it's repeated in almost every other ancient culture. We we have this story in in almost every other ancient culture. Even even the ancient cultures of North America and South America, uh, throughout Europe, throughout even Asia. Now, one of the story, one of the areas surprisingly enough, that they do not have an ancient flood story is really on the continent of Africa. We have never been able to, to uncover any kind of ancient flood story. The most infamous ancient flood story that we have that predates this story, or at least the writing down of the story that we have in, uh, in Genesis, is called the Epic of Gilgamesh. In the Epic of Gilgamesh, it, 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 it's a flood story, like so many of the other ancient flood stories, uh, th- there are a number of, of differences, obviously. Uh, the epic of, in the Epic of Gilgamesh, there are a number of gods, and the gods were arguing among themselves. It, they, they, it, creation, according to the Epic of Gilgamesh, creation, or the earth and humanity, it was a mistake. 
and the, and the earth had become too populated, and these people down there, those humans down there, they were making way too much noise, and the gods couldn't sleep. And so, they, so one god uh, had this bright idea that he would wipe out all of humanity with a great flood. And he came up with a scheme that he would, he would select one person, and that one person would trick everyone else, would trick everyone else and say, no, nah, there's nothing to be afraid of at all. Uh, but instead, that, that God had chosen that, that one person uh, to continue. And so, there, the, again, many of the flood stories, the ancient flood stories, they, they all kind of follow along those lines. Uh, they all talk about a, a great flood that wiped, out, that wiped out all of humanity. The Epic of Gilgamesh is dated to around 2100 B.C. Uh, the Old Testament... Uh, was written around 950 B.C., or at least the book of Genesis was beginning to be written around uh, 950 B.C., possibly, possibly even as old as 1200 B.C. And so you can see then that the, that the story, at least in its written version, the Epic of Gilgamesh is much, much older, uh, at least, again, in the written form, than our story that we have in the book of Genesis. This is an incredible story that we have in the book of Genesis. An absolutely incredible story. There, there are a number of things that I would, that I would point out to you. First, uh, Noah never says anything until way deep into the story. He doesn't say anything. We don't have any of the words of Noah that are recorded until, until um, the, end of, the end of chapter 9. Finally, Noah speaks the rest of it is just this inference that, that God and Noah are having some sort of communication uh, between, between the two of them. An incredible story. The size of the boat really is astounding. The size of the boat would have been 150 yards long by 25 yards, by 25 yards wide. Uh, and about 45, I believe it was 45 feet deep. And so it was a massive, massive boat. Uh, around the year, by, the, by, the, by around the year, uh, around 2000 BC, we began to see uh, boats that are a little, bit, a little bit bigger. Before 2000 BC, the only boats that they had really were more rafts than anything. They really weren't boats. Uh, they, they may have been made out of skin, they, uh, animal skins, animal hides, but more, but more often than not, they were just simply rafts that would, that would be able to navigate a river just a little bit, or they would be able to, uh, to get across a, a very small lake. And those rafts and boats, they would have even, even during, um, really even almost up until the 1800s, uh, but, it, but especially until the, uh, the 13 or 1400s A.D., all of those boats were designed to be within, uh, I mean, they could see the land. They never, they never went beyond the distance of, of being able to see the land. This boat that Noah built certainly would have been larger than any boat that had ever been known to humankind. In fact, experts say that it wasn't until the early 1800s that a boat larger than Noah's boat was built. Did you get that? <laughs> it wasn't until the eight, early 1800s that a boat larger than Noah's ark was actually built. 
by humans. It was a massive, massive boat. It would have been able to hold uh, the contents of 522 rail cars, railroad cars. Now, now you think about it and you wonder, well, how, how, how big is that? Well, one rail car will, will hold about 250 sheep. So imagine 250 sheep uh, multiplied by 522. Somebody quick do the, uh, do the math on that. That is uh, well over 100,000 sheep that they would have been able to fit in that Noah's Ark. So we have this large boat. And then we have the rain that started coming. So again, uh, the, the general story is that Noah was righteous, the world was corrupt, humanity was corrupt, and it appears as though that God became uh, uh, more than frustrated. God became disappointed. God even may have even become a little bit angry that he had, that he had created humans. Now think back just a couple of chapters before in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of the book of Genesis. You remember in the seven-day creation account? You remember what God said at the end of every day? He called the creation good. And then when he came to humanity and, he, and, and, and on the sixth day he created uh, man and woman, do you remember what he called them? Very good. And so between chapter 2 and chapter 6, something terribly wrong had occurred. God God became, God became angry even that he had created humanity. And he decided that he was going to wipe out all, all life on earth. But then, but then that one caught his eye, Noah. And so God said that he would send a, send a flood upon, upon the earth. And so, so Noah began to build that ark, and God told him to, to bring the animals, two of every kind, and, and seven of the clean animals, and put them into that ark. So let's talk about that rain. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. I've been in some rainstorms before. When I was a junior in high school, we had a great idea of, of going out and going uh, camping at one of our farm ponds, and it just so happened to be the, the, same, uh, the same day that one of those uh, tropical storms, and it really was even a hurricane, came through Oklahoma, and you know how they'll do. They'll just kind of sit here and, and spin, and that's what happened that night. It felt, it felt like it had rained for 40 days and, and 40 nights as we were camping out that night. It rained from beginning to end, and when we, when we left the next morning, we weren't sure we were going to be able to, to, to leave that uh, to leave that pasture. I can only begin to imagine 40 days and 40 nights. And then it continued uh, after, after they had got in, after they were in the ark, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And it, and it says the rain prevailed for 50 days and the, and the, flood, uh, the flood covered all of the mountains. It covered all of the mountains. Experts, experts have begun to... Um, estimate what that would have been like. The, the oceans, the volume of the oceans would have had to have tripled in order for the mountains of, of the earth to be covered. So what would have then happened to the 630 cubic billion miles of water? Think, think about it just for a minute. Think about it just for a minute. 
So at the end of the story, or closer to the end of the story, it says that the winds began to blow and it began to dry up. Where in the world did all of that water go? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And, and so for, for many of us, we, we, get, we get caught up in these details. And we haven't even talked about, uh, talked about the, the animals. Experts say that there are around 21,000 species of, of amphibians and reptiles and birds and mammals. So that would have, that would have meant there would have been uh, well over 50,000 50, uh, animals in, in, that, um, in that ark. And they would have been there for 13 months, by the way. In order for Noah and, and, and his family to load all of those animals into the ark, it would have meant that a pair of animals had to be loaded into the ark every single minute for 24 hours a day for those seven, for those seven straight days. I mean, the, 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 the enormity of this undertaking would have uh, it, just mind-boggling. There would have... Um, there, there would have been 78,750 liters of urine produced every single day. 70% of the volume of Noah's Ark would have had to have been water to replenish what the animals went through. So again, we, get, we can get caught up in, in all of the details of this story. And for many of us, with a Western mindset, we'll, we will get caught up in all of the details. There are some folks who have got so caught up in the details that they are, we still have expeditions that are out trying to, find, trying to find Noah's Ark. Now hear me, hear me when I say this. I am not saying, I am not saying that this is not historically accurate. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. However, if you have taken Disciple Bible Study with me, uh, you, you've heard me say that the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, they read different than, the, the, than beginning in chapter 12 and following. Uh, chapters 1 through 11, they read almost like a, a, a poem. It, th this would be like a story uh, that's told around a campfire. Dad... I saw a rainbow the other day. What in the world does that rainbow mean? And you, can, and, you can, and you can hear a father telling his children this story about where the rainbow came from. I remember as a, as a young boy and, and, and digging, uh, digging post holes or digging, uh, digging holes in the ground so that we could build fence and uh, you would uncover seashells. Uh, where we're out in far western Oklahoma. About four foot down, there's a, there's a layer of seashells uh, that, that will uncover. And I've, I've asked my dad, where in the world did, did those seashells come from? And, and he would tell me stories. Well, son, you remember back in the days of Noah. <laughs> and he would, tell that, he would tell that story. This is the kind of story that's told around campfires to be, able to, uh, to be able to explain some events that, to be honest, are probably quite in, uh, unable to be explained at all. Again, I do believe, I do believe that this was some sort of historic event. But if we look at only the, the historical nature of it and all of the details of it and how in the world could all of those animals fit there and where did all of the, where did all of the, the water go after it was evaporated or, or left, we, we really miss, we really miss the, the main points of the story, and, and there's just there's a couple of them here that I want to point out, and and the first is the first is that there are consequences for sin. 
sin is not a topic that we hear much about anymore. We hear about life choices. We hear about lifestyles. We hear, um, well, we, we hear about all of those things, but we don't hear about sin. We don't hear about there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. It's just the way it is. And we find here in this story that humanity had become corrupt. In verse 5 it said, in, of chapter 6, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Humanity has a propensity for evil and for violence. We don't need to look beyond even, even the news of this week to know that. We don't need to look beyond the, the other side of the street right here across our church. We don't need to look beyond the daily news to know that humanity has a, uh, has a propensity toward violence. On Netflix recently, there's, they've... Uh, uh, just released a, a couple of weeks ago, or about a month ago, maybe they released a. a it was a. It's a documentary on World War II, and it was World War II in color. It, it's the best World War II video or documentary that I have that I have seen. I don't know if you all have. I mean, I'm, I, most of us probably uh, know the atrocities that occurred during World War II. We don't need to look any further than that. We don't. Again, we don't need to look any further than uh, th than. Well, I mean, we may, we may think, well, that, that was way back then, and, uh, but we all, have, we all have a propensity toward violence. I mean, how many of us think nothing about watching an extremely graphically violent series on Netflix or, or Amazon Prime or some other streaming service? How many of us never even think twice about that? How many of us don't even think twice about having a, a violent video game in our, in our home? And, 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 and it's, I mean, we, we think that it's, that it's teenagers and young adults that are playing violent video games. No, it, it's all of us. There's something that yearns inside of us for violence, we we I mean, I would I would propose I would propose that our day today is not much different than Noah's day. Here again, the description: the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. But dear sisters and brothers, I want to remind you that there is a consequence to sin. There is indeed a, a consequence of sin. God will not allow sin to go unpunished. Something has to be done because of our sinfulness. When we sin, we are breaking relationship with God. Something has to come and rebuild that relationship. Either we are going to be held accountable or something or someone must come and make amends or atone for our sin. And you see, as Christians, we believe that Jesus the Christ came and stood in that gap, that chasm between us 
and God, that chasm between sinfulness and holiness, it was only Jesus the Christ that could come and, and span that gap, that could come and atone for the sins of all of the world. So I think this story is first and foremost about the consequences of sin, but I think also, I think also this story is about the saving grace of God. Why did, why did God chose Noah? Why did God choose Noah? Because he was righteous? Because he deserved to be saved? <laughs> no, absolutely not. You can ask my mama. I'm a pretty good guy. You can ask her. You can ask my mama. She thinks I'm a pretty good guy. She said I was a great kid growing up. I very rarely did anything wrong. But I'll tell you, I knew at the age of 12 that I was a dirty, rotten sinner and something had to be done with my sin. Why does God love me? Why did God love Noah? Why does God love you? Because you deserve it? Because I deserve it? Because Noah deserved it? No, because God is love. And so he set, a, set in the clouds a, a rainbow to remind us that no matter what we've done, no matter how evil we have been, no matter how, dis, dis, uh, how, how disastrous the world gets, God is still a God of love and God is still a God of grace. And he has said, well, I'm not going to destroy you at all. No, I don't want to destroy you. I want to have a relationship with you. I believe this story of, of Noah and the ark, it points directly to Jesus Christ. In Noah's day, there was no one to atone for the sins of the world. There was no one to stand in the gap, that chasm between their sinfulness and the holiness of God. But we have, we have that one who has atoned for our sins, and that is Jesus Christ. The story of the flood, the story of the rainbow in the clouds, it tells the story of Jesus Christ. So no matter who you are, no matter how bad you think you have been, no matter how far you think the world has strayed and you think that the world is going to, uh, going to somewhere fast, know this, know this, that God desires to save all God desires to have a, have a relationship with all. Oh, indeed, indeed, sin will not go unpunished, especially for those who have not, who, who, whose sins have not been atoned for, especially for those who do, who do not have a, have a relationship with the Savior, someone who has spanned that gap, someone who has atoned for their sins, but we have a Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me? God's sin is serious business. In fact, sin is, a, sin is so serious, it's, a, it's an issue of life and death. Eternal life or eternal death. And God, in, indeed, we have, we have heard of, of your judgment upon the earth. And we have heard of your promise to never do that again. And we've also heard the message of Jesus Christ. That though we are sinful, though we have been cut off from you because of our sinfulness, 
you have come to us in Jesus Christ and you have offered to atone our sins. You have offered to wipe away our sins. Oh Lord, Jesus Christ is that rainbow reminding us that you are a God of grace and you want us to accept that grace. You want us to accept that relationship with you. We may feel that you are a distant and unknowable God, but Jesus Christ tells us that we can know you. We can know you through him. Oh God, draw us all to you. Help us to know that no matter how far we have strayed, no matter how far the world has strayed, no matter how far our neighbors and our family members have strayed, we can never stray so far away too far away from your grace. God, help us to experience. Help us to accept. Help us to live out that grace through Jesus Christ today, now, and forever. We pray all of these things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.